been about two, it's been 10 weeks that we have been pausing um, at the fruit of the Spirit. And it's been 10 good weeks, I trust. What we've done, we've introduced you, spoken to you about the, um, each of those fruit, those nine fruit that, that Paul so clearly talks to us about in, in Galatians 5. I want to conclude with the fruit of the Spirit. And what we're going to do over the course, in terms of our journey um, that we have entitled Seated and Sealed, where we've spoken about what it means to be seated in Christ and uh, seated with Christ. And, and we've been speaking about being sealed with the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He's doing in our lives. We're going to carry on in the new year where we're going to start the new year Listen to this. We're going to start by talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And what a way to launch into the new year, uh, I trust. That as, we, as we've now gone through this time and this season of talking about the fruit, we want to start 2024 about gifts, which is actually such a wonderful thing. That the whole new year is starting with what can I give? Not, oh, what, what, I, what do I want? Isn't it? That we so often go into the new year, oh, this fall with what can we give? What can we give into each other's lives? What can we give into our community? And, and challenge one another with a different kind of lifestyle. It, you know, we're going to try and find again things that will rhyme with 2024. Another door, something like that will be the, the theme perhaps of the year of, that inspires us to wait for something good to happen to us. But imagine going into the new year with something good to do and to be for others. And so you can already start doing that and being that already. You don't have to wait until January. But anyway, that's just for next year that we want to do. But I want to stop our series, our current one, for a while. And in December, we'll talk about something different as we prepare ourselves for the celebration of the birth of Christ. But um, after doing all of these nine gifts, or fruit rather, I want to talk about seven words this morning. Now that we ended to the numerical stuff. There's seven words that I want to highlight this morning that I want to use to conclude the fruit of the Spirit discussion on. And it is from Galatians 5, verse 23. The last two weeks we've done gentleness and self-control and well done, Clive, for leading us in that. And listen to what Paul says here. And I think these seven words are often words that we kind of skip because they just kind of like feel like irrelevant. We've not done the nine gift or the nine fruit again. The nine fruits of fruit are mentioned, and it's like the last seven words are ignored. <laughs> and maybe for some of you, there'll be like a revelation. Oh, there are some more words attached to this whole discussion regarding fruit. And it says, against such things, there is no law. Seven words. Against. Such things. Which things? Anyone? The fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Against the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, there is no law. So I want to talk to you about true freedom this morning. And um, just elaborate a little bit about these seven words that actually for the first time, I've never preached about these seven words. I've always, you know, focused on the fruit of the Spirit. It's so easy to, to focus on those, those nine fruit. But we don't talk about the seven words following the nine fruit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to do that and, and firstly look at this word law. How many of you like the word law? 
<laughs> it's, not a, it's not a word that we like, man, I, I want to stick it up in my fridge. Hey, she loves it. Oh, is it? She keeps you under the law. Hey, <laughs> all right. You guys want to talk about it now? Maybe we should keep it for afterwards. <laughs> all right. So for some people, it seems like the word law is really attractive. But for most of us, it may not be. There are many laws that we live with every day. As a matter of fact, this morning, when you woke up, how many of you woke up? Yes, some of you guys are still waking up, it seems, eh? Like, well done, Byron. I can see that hand. You're woken. Awoken to this day. Anyway, there, there are some things that you woke up, kind of like laws, basic human laws, that you woke up with or into. It's like stuff that you cannot ignore. You can't run away from them. They're there. They're certain laws that, that are just part of our lives. For instance, you woke up to act responsibly responsibility is part of your life and my life. So it meant that when you woke up, you had to get up, which is, by the way, a responsible thing. I don't know about some of the friends and our brothers and sisters that aren't here. Maybe they're still acting irresponsibly. I don't know. Anyway, um, but you woke up and acted responsibly. You got up and you got out of bed and you got dressed and you um, brushed your teeth. Amen. Amen, thank you. Just appreciate that. The brothers around you was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they did it. Huh? It's like, that's one of the things that we love in church when you come with your teeth brushed because it helps us. No. <laughs> anyway, so that's one thing. That's a law, a simple law that you, act, that you enacted on and, and you, you action. The, the next thing that we wake up with is to wait your turn. It's like you don't just force yourself into something like, you know, I've got to have access to the bathroom. You've got to wait your turn. For some of you, that means that you've got to wait longer than, than others because if a certain gender had gone in before you, I will not disclose what kind of gender I'm talking about. It may take longer for you to wait your turn. Amen? Some of you want to talk about that, Simon? No, you don't want to talk about because just now you're getting into trouble. Or maybe it's your fault that the others waited. I don't know. So that's a general rule or a law that we, that we live under. We wait our turn. And uh, specifically at border posts, we have to kind of like wait our turn, wait to be fed. Another law that we generally live under is the one that says re respect the property of others. <laughs> that's my coffee. No, that's my coffee. You woke up with that stuff this morning and you needed to respect. How many of you took somebody else's cup of tea or coffee this morning that you shouldn't have? You did not respect. Don't, don't show your hands because otherwise we're going to have an altar call now and go through prayer stuff and whatever else. We just want to <laughs> Maybe you did that. Maybe you didn't respect the property of another person this morning. Anyway, that's a general rule and a law that we live with. Or some of you on your way to this gathering, you had to honor the law of this country. By along Cecil Avenue, it's 60 kilometers an hour. Those of you that came in during worship, I suspect that it could have been that you not um, adhered, that you did not adhere to that law. Anyway, we forgive you. We don't know who you are. Please don't disclose your identity. But anyway, those are some of the basic laws that we live under every day. But here Paul says to us that there's a certain way of living that goes beyond what any law could direct us to do. 
No law could determine this for us. Various laws have determined various things that you have already done this morning since waking up at whatever, 6, 7 o'clock. For three hours, perhaps, you have been under certain laws. But Paul is referring here to a law that cannot direct us to do what he's talking about. And we know the following about the fruit of the Spirit, my paraphrase. These things are better than anything the law could do. These things are better, are better than anything the law or any law could ever do. Oh, and he's saying, not only are they better than what the law can do, the law cannot stand against them. How's that? No law can make you love someone. No law can make you full of joy. <laughs> I mean, imagine. Why are you so full of joy? I'm just keeping the law, my brother. <laughs> yes. And I know I'm being watched because if I don't smile, somebody's going to notice it. And boy, oh boy, then I'm going to be in trouble. But it's easy to keep the law of joy because it comes <laughs> naturally. Like anybody watching? Oh, goodness, they're not watching. I can stop smiling. No law can do that for us, isn't it? You are not here this morning by law. I hope you're not. Maybe in some countries. I've been to China where we've gone to the underground church and there's two different churches in China. There's the underground and there's the state church. The state churches are those churches that have said they will really willingly submit to what the state expects of them to do as a church. So they will conduct themselves according to what the government expects of them. And then there's the underground church that, that would not meet in places where the church or the state would know where they are. And so we went to the state-controlled church where there would be people in the midst of this gathering that you don't know whether they are brothers or not a brother, <laughs> or brother or the enemy. And that's the general expectation in those gatherings, is that there will be people, like scattered amongst the crowd, that are there to watch. By law, you are not allowed to, for instance, you know, deal with money publicly. And so they wouldn't be able to allow, for instance, that's a simple illustration, take up the offering. And so they couldn't do that because there are people watching them. Now imagine if we lived like that, that by law we are being watched, whether our conduct is in line with what people are expecting us. Now imagine if we ought to be kind and gentle and, and hospitable and live under self-control because we are being watched by people. Then you're always going to try to please people. It's not going to be a natural inclination that you have to do it. But Paul is saying here, there's no law that will determine you to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit. Because it does not come through the law. It's not through the letter that you are supposed to be happy and joyful and live in peace. It's because of someone living inside of you that you conduct yourself that way. And that's why Paul says there's no law that stands against this. And so in other words, the law of Moses, or any other law for that matter, can never produce love, joy, peace, and so on. In other words, he's saying the way of the Spirit is far better. And so our focus again, and it has been, I trust, since we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit, is not so much the fruit, 
but it's the living lifestyle or the real lifestyle that we enter into with Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. The focus is not produce fruit. Pop. That pops out. It's like, hey, I'm going to church. I'm going to joy. Just for two hours, please. No, it's, I'm in a loving relationship, in a living relationship with Holy Spirit. Therefore, these things come naturally, supernaturally. They, they appear upon this tree. And it should not be an effort. It is something that happens because of our wonderful and privileged relationship that we have with Holy Spirit. See, no law can get us where the Spirit is willing to take us. You want to hear that again? No law or rule can get us where the Spirit is willing to take us. And so, where is He willing to take us? And where does He desire to take us? He's a lover of all people. A, a person that goes around and, and produces or exhibits, rather, because he produces it in us. We exhibit. We put him on display. I don't produce it myself. I'm the one that carries the fruit. So he wants my life to be put in places amongst people. You know, I, don't, I don't think that God's really called me to produce the fruit of the Spirit amongst trees. Or amongst animals, really. I mean, you've got to have self-control. Don't kill them all. And all the... I don't know, they tend to call those names, but you know, the guys that love, love animals, it's fine. I'm not going to talk about that too much, but don't worry. Um, we, we're not supposed to firstly exhibit the fruit of the Spirit amongst. We don't, don't break down all the trees. There's this lovely song that years ago was sung. Don't kill the world, our means of life. That one. So don't do that. But, but firstly, the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be put on exhibition on display amongst people. That's why being in local church is so good. <laughs> because it challenges us to put those things on display. We come in like face-to-face -face with people. And that's why we go to work and go to school. We don't isolate ourselves because that leads to destruction, the Bible says. We, we come and be amongst one another. So that God can use you to help me to put on display what He's put in me. And not, oh, I'm going to wait for you to now exhibit your fruit. Like, waiting. Waiting. I mean, like, patiently <laughs> waiting. No, no, it's, hey, why don't you do, why don't you start? Why don't I start? So, in other words, we don't live amongst each other to wait for the fruit to be dis displayed by others. Why don't, why don't you take the lead? I take the lead and. This beautiful verse in Romans where Paul is saying, listen, why don't you compete one another with one another in this way? By outdoing each other in showing honor. It's like, why don't we bring the, the, the fruit of the Spirit into that? Let's outdo one another in, in the fruit of the Spirit. Like, ah, I want to be heavy. No, no, let's not go there. But in it, to be able to put the fruit on display. And it goes far beyond what any mere law could possibly prescribe. No law can make this happen. So some important truths about the fruit, as I just talk you through these things. I want to say to you, we will never be considered to be out of line when the fruit of God's Spirit is in operation in our lives. It's like, 
And I wonder if I'm going to do the right thing if I let the fruit of the Spirit operate in my life. There's no law against it. You're never going to be wrong in a sense. When you operate loving, living with joy, living in peace, showing if you act like that. It also says that we, we need not concern ourselves about our behavior when we operate with the fruit evident. Hey, beautiful twins there. <laughs> you need not be concerned yourself with, with your behavior. Oh, is it going to be right? Is it going to be wrong? Imagine asking questions or things like we say, you know, was it the right thing to, to do to keep my promise? It just feels like being faithful is so wrong. Like operating in the fruit of the Spirit will never leave you with those kind of thinking. Like faithfulness is right. Don't ever feel wrong about it. Don't ever feel guilty about being faithful. We can, and, and a family member got married and I conducted the, the, the wedding ceremony and it was such a brilliant moment. Nephew of mine, my brother's son. And, and, and it was so wonderful to be able to honor them. Because one thing they did is, I mean, I think they're 28 and 27. They got married as virgins. 28 and 27. I'm like, man, that's such a wonderful thing. And I will tell you this, that in their whole premarital time that I had with them, never once did they say to me, yeah, I feel guilty for not sleeping with him or her. I feel so bad that I haven't had sex yet. Whilst we, we see the opposite happen. There's no law against being faithful. It's nothing. And you'll never feel bad or condemned or judged. And the world will judge you. We have another young couple in this congregation that's not here this morning. That before they got married, he said to me, his friends laugh at him because he's still a virgin. And he's going to get married that way. I'm like, well, that's being judged. That's a law of the human world that says, you've got to have sex before you get married. Otherwise, you're incomplete. How would you know that you fit? And you're supposed to belong together. That's what the world says. But faithfulness has no law. It is an attitude of the heart. It's a value that we live with and we celebrate. And I was like, man, I want to honor you for being faithful. Being faithful and not something that we should feel embarrassed about either. I think we should let people like that stand rather than say, hey, that couple over there, they've been faithful all along. Their, their engagement time and they've not had sex. And it's not in any way saying we will judge those that have gone wrong and made mistakes. But we need to celebrate things because what we often say is whatever we celebrate, we cultivate. And if we don't celebrate it enough, it's not going to be cultivated. It's not going to spring up amongst us that you young people sitting here, we're talking about marriage. It's marriage seminar coming up. We need to cultivate amongst us an attitude of faithfulness as married or as unmarried. Celebrate that, folk, and not feel embarrassed that that is what we believe. There's no law against it. And so let's talk about it more. Let's talk without, uh, about this to our young people and say, hey, remember, you, you like that girl. Watch it. Watch it. Don't touch anything that you don't have yourself. It's just simple marriage advice. Premarital advice. All right? 
Imagine saying the following words. I know I didn't force myself into a better situation. I was patient and demonstrated self-control. But could that have been the wrong thing to do? Or should I have been more arrogant and forceful? I, it just doesn't feel right that I waited. And will not have to say those words. Because there's no law against it. You should not feel condemned in waiting. And being patient and exercising self-control. It's a wonderful thing. We should celebrate it. And other an actual fact, we sometimes we celebrate shortcuts rather than the long process. Did you know I found a shortcut? What, what, what? Tell me, tell me. It's like let's share it. It's gonna just, you know, social media. There's a shortcut to the work today. Just try that way. And then, you know, we all love shortcuts, isn't it? But if we have to wait and take longer, and it's a process, I don't know if I want to do that really. That's tedious. That's time wasting. But when we are given opportunities to exercise self-control, Paul says there's no law against it. It's actually such a good thing. And so we need to open our hearts. And I'm speaking to myself. Listen, I'm a, I'm a sucker for shortcuts. If anything, like, man, you've got to do this, and there's another way, there's an easier way. And not a, not a wrong way. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. You know, not the, hey, if I give you this, will you give me that? No, no, just if I don't have to go the long route, you get in front of, you know, cues, and then like five cues, you're like, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, eight. I'm not going to use that one. I'll use a one, two. Or the one, two, three. Like your time. Anybody watching? Watch. I'm going to quickly jump in there because that's the shortest cue. We all love shortcuts. 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 Short
So there are no rules or limitations when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. You will never be condemned for overdoing it. No law forbids qualities like these. We are completely free to operate in this beautiful reality. God celebrates it. In verse 18 of Galatians 5, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the That's where true freedom is found, when we can allow the Spirit of God to lead us. And where will He lead us? He will lead us towards a place where the fruit of that relationship with Him becomes real. And there's no law against that. See, the one frees us, and the other one condemns us. Holy Spirit has come through Christ. He's come to free us. The law comes to condemn us. We'll always be found guilty when the law is above us. In other words, there's nothing more liberating in the world than acting in the Spirit. So that's our prayer, really, every morning. Holy Spirit, today, I want to thank God for what He's done. I want to thank Jesus for His willingness to come and die. And then, Holy Spirit, you're the one with me. Because Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not alone. So, Holy Spirit, this is our day. So, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to help me to walk and, and, and exhibit the fruit of this walk with you. I, I cannot manufacture these and, and produce them. It's, it's, it's only by you. So, Holy Spirit, you're my friend. And so, I'm going to grab you by the hand. I'm going to go into this day. And I'm going to go into some pretty nasty situations. It's like that's sometimes a bit nasty, isn't it? We call it, we call it work. Let's not call it marriage, because that's a wonderful thing. We're going to celebrate that, eh? Um, let's, this is the reality of, we, go, we call it school. It's like, <laughs> that teacher again, all those friends at school, colleagues at work, pretty nasty. Holy Spirit, I've got your hand. Please, I'm gonna, those fruit, there's no law against it. I'm going to, I want to go. It's not what they will do to me that matters. It's what I need to do to them that counts. It's like, ooh, it's a bit tough. Maybe we can lie in bed and just stay here, hey, Holy Spirit. What do you think? It's like one of those days, hey? No, no, we've got to get up. We've got to get up and we've got to get going. And, and this is the beauty of, of where um, Jesus speaks. He says in John 7, if I can take you there, listen to this. Because the fruit, by the way, again, who benefits from the fruit? You or they? They. I mean, peace can be something that you like. Man, I really enjoy the peace of God. But actually, in the, in the sense of the fruit of the Spirit, it's actually being a peacemaker, carrying forth peace into other situations, not just living in peace. It's being peace. And so, if, if others are the, are the beneficiaries of, of the fruit in our lives, listen to what Jesus says in John 7, verse 37, well-known portion that you probably would have read before and considered. It says on the last day of the feast, Jesus, you want to let people know something, isn't it? It's not just Jesus kind of mumbled it to his 12 disciples. Jesus wanted this thing to be made known. Yay! I don't know if he shouted like that. I don't know how crying out in the Hebrew context would have sounded like. But listen to what he cries out with. He says, if anyone's thirst, boy, oh boy, is that a real thing for us in a day like this, in this weather. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Say with me, rivers. 
So rivers mean, I don't know, we are not too familiar with rivers in Zimbabwe. Because we don't have that much water, particularly here in Mat, Matland and, and Mat South and Mat North. I mean, there's a couple of rivers that will flow constantly. I don't know. I mean, a few that will really come down when there's heavy downpours and that. But, but we don't really realize the impact that rivers have. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers, a constant flow of living water. He says, now this, it says in verse 39, he said about the, the Spirit, about Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in were to receive. And listen, by the way, it's talking about you and I there. So those of us that are believers today have received. So Jesus is saying, there's going to come a time when there will be someone inside of you, not something, because he's not a thing. He's a person. Someone will reside in you. That's why he said, it's better that I go, that someone can come and live inside of you, those that believe in me. That someone can come and that he will develop inside of you the ability to let the fruit of the Spirit flow. Because what will flow from us? It's fruit of the Spirit. And there's no law against that. So there's no, hey, that's enough. Like, so I mean, I've given you enough for the day. It's like, that's your quota. I love you, but it's like, I've been kind, but that side of us is like a river. It wants, imagine, stop the river because we've like had enough of that now. It's like, be nice, but you don't stop it for a bit. No, you don't determine that. And so it's him that's the river. And I'm not in control of that flow. He wants to constantly flow through me. I've got to just let it happen. I'm the conduit. I'm the hose pipe. Just let him flow. Because on the other end, there are people that are awaiting your love, your kindness, your joy, your self-control, your gentleness. There's no law, ladies and gentlemen, against that. The Spirit of God takes residence in us and rivers of living water starts flowing from us. And the beautiful thing is there's no, there's no damn wall that stops it and should stop it because there's no law against us. It's our responsibility is just to let the Spirit of God do through us on a daily basis what He wants to do in marriage, or in singleness. Let the fruit of the Spirit flow there. At home with our children, being with our parents, being with our children, being with our siblings, let love, joy, and peace flow there. Because again, hey, don't try to be a hero and exhibit all the fruit when everybody can see it. Did you see how joyful Bessie was when he stood in front of 200 people? Hey, that's not the issue. Is how much of that is real when there's only one person in front of him, particularly his wife that sees him every day. How much of the fruit is displayed to her and to the children? That's really where the test is. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the Spirit of God in us. And this comes not through forcefulness, but through friendship. I don't force these things out. It is as I and we've mentioned this before, as I engage and keep on 
engaging him. And that becomes, this, this relationship with him allowed to let the fruit come, become real and be on, on display for others. Actually, in fact, that becomes my greatest resistance against sin. Because in this context, Galatians 5, Paul talks about the, the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. But you know what? I don't fight this. I pursue Him. And as that becomes real and fruit of the Spirit comes out, there's no desire for this. Do you see that? And, and too often we try to fight sin. Like, hey, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that one's not going to come close. Stay away. Get away. Get away. Hey, stay, stay, stay. That's like, wow, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're amazing. It's like, man, where's my back? My back is there. It's towards this stuff. It's towards him. It's like, yo, yo, Jesus, I, I face you. My heart is tender towards you. Do in me what you want to do. Let more love come out. Let more self-control come out so that I can say no. I can say yes. My yes, yes is an absolute no to that. So I want to close with this. The question to ask is not how much am I doing for God in all of this. But rather, how much am I becoming like God? The outcome of this journey with Holy Spirit, this, this wonderful relationship with Him, is not how much am I doing for Him, how much am I accomplishing for Him. It's how much am I being there for the fruit is evidence of our becoming. So we measure our becoming like God by considering the fruit. <laughs> you shall know a tree by its fruit. You shall know man by its his or her fruit. And so, and, and, and we ask people that are closest to us how that tree looks like. We don't ask the public opinion, first of all. We ask the private opinions to help us gauge how we're doing in terms of the fruit being evident in our lives. Therefore, our aim is to look more like God in my behavior. And the fruit of the Spirit is an indication of that. How do I start acting like Him? Luke 6 verse 40 is this beautiful verse. I'm going to close with that. It's just where Jesus shares this quick parable about a blind man. How can the blind lead a blind man? And, um, and in verse 40 it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Our aim is to be like our teacher. And our teacher, Jesus Christ, has come to put on display fully for everyone to see what God looks like, even at the cross, where he forgave, where he was kind, where he was compassionate. And so he's come to be that example for us. We like God. I, I want to be like that. I want to be like you so that the fruit will be evident upon my life. See, that's why the fruit of the Spirit is not our destination, but the Holy Spirit himself is our destination. He's our focus. The fruit flow from that relationship. And that's why, as we close, those seven words, against such things, there is no law. When your pursuit is Him, then the fruit will show, the fruit of the Spirit. 
and there's nothing, nothing. People may criticize, people may want to judge you, but in God, there's nothing that he says, that's wrong, my son, or my daughter. But actual fact, he will say, well done for exhibiting the fruit as a result of your relationship with me. I ask you to close your eyes as we pray. Lord, this morning we are in deep recognition of the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can manufacture or produce ourselves. But they are so incredibly appealing and attractive. And as believers, these are the things that we should be known for. Bearing these kind of fruit. But Lord, they're not possible in our own strength. When I admit that to you this morning. But thank you that when we are in relationship with you as we are, they become part of our being and our becoming. And I pray this morning, Father, that you will help us as your people to recognize the beauty there is that true freedom is really found in, in letting the fruit of the Spirit be part of our lives. And so this morning, Maybe I could just ask you to stand, would you? Why don't you just stand before the Lord as we, as we recognize before Him our need for Him and our absolute dependence on Him for the fruit to be part of our lives. And so, Lord, as we stand before you, I, I pray that in every heart that there will not be firstly a commitment to the fruit. <laughs> Because we can't really, I can't commit my to, myself to love and to joy and peace. I want to commit myself to you, Jesus. I want to commit myself to you, Holy Spirit. I want to commit myself to you, Father God, to say, Lord, my, my focus, my, my passion, my pursuit, my everything is you, grows and develops in my life. The stronger the commitment, Lord God, that fruit will just continue to appear. Lord, I pray for people that have become perhaps despondent about not seeing certain fruit and not trying to see those fruit necessarily appear. But I pray, Lord, that they will appear before you rather and say, Father, here's my life. As we sang earlier on, here's my heart, Lord God. I give it all to you. And so, Lord, we give to you. I want to ask you just in your own quietness of your own heart, just whatever you want to give to the Lord right now in response to what we're talking about, what you feel stirred in your heart, just to declare unto God. Why don't you just do that, please? Just make declarations, make, make confessions even. Just say, Father, won't you please see my heart, Lord? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can stand before you this morning. And listen, this is, this is a moment that we don't want to rush through. We've done the preach. And the outworking of the preach is not just a two-minute thing after the preach. It's a process as we carry on with God from here on. I'll ask you just to linger here. Just linger for a while. And Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you will be the, the one into this beautiful thing called 
relationship with you, friendship. And that the fruit will not come through us being forceful, but just engaging you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that where people have kind of lost touch with you, in the busyness of life, the things that have gone right, even some things have gone wrong. We've lost focus. We've lost the intimacy that leads to beautiful fruit. I pray, Father, that there will be a, a cry this morning from hearts that say, God, I return not to fruit. I return to the vine. I return to the one that I want to be connected to. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for that amazing grace that floods our souls, that enables us to be reconnected to you, the vine from where the true life comes. God, I thank you for grace to come to you, to be in relationship with you. And if you, my friend, have felt over the last couple of days, weeks, there's been a disconnect. And our motivation is not fruit. Our motivation is fellowship. Our motivation is friendship. Our motivation is love. Because He so dearly loves us. So Lord, I thank you this morning for drawing us, for drawing people back to you. And even for a lot, God, people are just coming before you and saying, God, I want to just recommit and say, Lord, my life, my existence is for you. I just want to stand before you and say, Father, I live for you. I live for nothing else, nothing less. I live for you. We worship you, Lord God. We praise your beautiful name. There is none like you, my God. There is none like you, my King. I love you, Lord. I just in your words, just express this to the Lord, what your heart is full of. As you worship the King. As you worship the one who is above all. It's not like you. We love you. Praise you with all our hearts. Jesus, we belong to you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Father, May you be glorified. May you be lifted up. Lord, as we go into this week, I thank you that it is so easy just to love you, to enjoy you. I pray, Lord, that we will go into the ease. The result of that beautiful relationship with you be evident upon our lives, I pray.
not because of our own efforts, but because of you. The fruit of the Spirit. May that be real in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.